you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. All right, there we go. Uh, so if I lay down today, just, just roll with me, okay? And it, it's, uh, it's a different pain that's kind of distracted me this week. This, this week where we've had a lot going on, this week where uh, um, you know, kind of lived in this, this snow land and this family land and this church land, uh, and this week where I have have been trying to write a sermon. Normally, I'm eight weeks ahead. I've got a general direction of where I'm going eight weeks out. And this week, I did not. This week, I was each day getting further and further along going, what in the world am I supposed to say about this passage? You've all heard a million sermons on the baptism of Jesus, right? You've, you've heard about this beautiful picture of the dove coming down as the Spirit and filling him. You've heard this uh, kind of John and Jesus back and forth what am I supposed to do that is fresh? And, and this is really problematic because uh, back in the day, preachers weren't supposed to admit that they didn't feel like they had something to say. Um, I'm trying to be real with you. I felt most this week like I didn't have anything to say. So this might be a short one because I think I've got something to say now, but um, I don't want to drag it out uh, unnecessarily. I, I realized for me, the study of scripture is, is incredibly profound. For, for me, it is literally the living, breathing word of God. There, there's always uh, something there, maybe not an application, but maybe just a, a, a way to appropriate it into our hearts. But uh, for me also, Scripture is contextual. Uh, the lectionary gives us these little chunks of the story and then expects us to stand up and preach that chunk. And so for weeks, I've been looking at this chunk and feeling uh, woefully underwhelmed at what I was going to say. Uh, but I, I came back to it uh, over the last few days and began to look at this, this story within the context of the church calendar and within the context of Scripture. And for me, it opened up in a way that is probably a different sermon than anybody else is going to preach today. If you tune into downtowns, this is not what Todd is preaching about. If you go pull up Offerings live stream, this is not what Taylor is talking about. Uh, but for me, the contextual uh, elements really came to a beautiful place this week. This, this story uh, started for us on Christmas Eve. Uh, we, had, we had gone through Advent, we'd been preparing for the birth of Christ, and, and we hear the kind of the birth narratives on Christmas Eve, and then the first Sunday of Christmas, we zoom all the way forward to when uh, 12-year-old Jesus is hanging out in the temple and talking about, uh, of course, Mary, this is where I would be, this is my father's house, and uh, we jump forward to last week when Darren tells us that, um, that God remembers us, and God welcomes us, and this is all through Christ, and then the story jumps all the way till he's 30 years old and he's getting baptized, Beyond the, the lectionary context, there's the context of Scripture. And this one phrase in there where uh, the Spirit has descended and we hear the voice of God say, You are my son, and you I'm well pleased. The Luke account is the shortest version of this story. In the other Gospels, we get a bigger picture and we, we have this dialogue back and forth between John and Jesus. But Luke's is just very matter of fact. A bunch of people getting baptized, Jesus gets baptized. The Spirit comes down and God announces, you are my son, 
and whom I delight or in whom I'm well pleased and whom I love. You're my beloved son. This is ancient Near Eastern adoption language. This is language that says, you might not be mine biologically, but you are mine. And we, we could spend all day talking how this is not a heresy, this is not adoptionism. We're not going to talk about the ontological realities of Trinitarian theology. Instead, I just want to talk about what it means for Jesus to be God's son. For us, this idea of fathership and sonship can be problematic, right? We all know fathers who have not been great. And we know fathers who have been problematic. And we know... Uh, Many of us fathers in the room know where we get it wrong regularly. But scripture is rooted in this culture of the ancient Near East. Uh, A culture that Sandy Richter would say is patriarchal, patrilocal, um, and a third one. See, this is what happens when you're not eight weeks ahead. uh, And patrilineal. That, uh, That for the people of Israel... Uh, their rootedness, I love hearing the kids. That's not going to bother me. If that's not going to bother y'all, I'm not the least bit stressed by that. Um, that is good noise to hear. It's, um, we do a whole other sermon on the joy of hearing kids in the kids' worship room, right? Uh, a sound that has not always been heard, and for many months of uh, COVID, we didn't hear. Um, but, but ancient Near Eastern uh, family culture is patrilocal, patrilineal, and uh, patriarchal. The eldest man of the family is the center of your very existence. Uh, you, you hear this in, I am from the house of David. Uh, the bait of, the house of your father is, is this place of, um, of power and authority. That, that man is the law for you. Uh, he's going to uh, be the arbiter of disputes amongst your family. He's going to be the one who makes the rules and who uh, enforces the rules. He's going to be the one who passes on resources and, um, and uh, land. He's going to kind of give you the authority to build your own kind of estate within the broader house of the family. Uh, and then uh, he's going to be the one whose name is passed on and through whom we build um, families. This is the story we see all throughout Scripture of, uh, of broken families being the picture of how God is redeeming the world. We see it back um, in Israel's story. We see it in the exile. And we see it in this day that these are still uh, ancient Near Eastern Palestinians whose life is oriented around the house of their father. And from the house of David, from the tribe of Benjamin, from the nation of Israel. I am not smart enough to explain the very... uh, interconnectedness of the Trinity to you uh, this morning. We can sit down with a whiteboard sometime and I can try to, but this adoption language of you are my son and whom I am well pleased uh, reframes the whole ministry of Jesus that uh, though he is Mary's biological child and though he lives within this family of Joseph, that, that his bait of is uh, God's home. That his source of authority is God. And the source of all the future ministry and and life that he will have is from God. Jesus, this second person of the Trinity, the uh, pre-incarnate second person who is present in all of creation, in and through whom all things are created. Uh, We we know these big things, but but he is the very very bearer of God's uh, family to the world now. He is going to uh, at this very moment, uh, begin to usher in the kingdom of heaven. He's going to bring God's dwelling place to the people. 
He's going to uh, bring uh, to the fullness the promises that we found in the law that are now made complete in him. He's going to offer uh, to the world their own chance to be adopted. Over the last few weeks, we've heard these readings from Ephesians, and we've kind of just skimmed past them. But the book of Ephesians tells us that through Christ and through his spirit, we are invited to be sons and daughters of the God Most High, and that we are adopted into a new family. And whether your father was incredible or whether your father was absent, somewhere in between, terrible or whatever, this is a good father who deeply loves us and adopts us, who looks and says, you are a daughter of the God most high in whom I am pleased. You are a son of God. You're part of this family and I delight in you. No longer is your identity rooted out here in biology, but it's, it's rooted here in this relationship. I've been doing a lot of thinking about dads lately. And I know this is easier for me to think about God in terms of fathers because I've had a great dad. Um, and uh, we're, we're selling dad's house and you, know, you want to liquidate your assets as you get to this point in life. It's a lot easier to kind of uh, make end of life decisions. But uh, to see uh, this house that has been a source of security and safety for us um, being picked apart by inspectors and talk about this is wrong and this is wrong is hard. Um, for both my sister and I, it was a safe place where uh, when things weren't okay, we could go back. And the comes going to get this emotional. You've got to stop smiling, Kathy. Um, multiple times, we ended up back in this home. Um, we'd, we'd make a leap of faith and go out and do something and it wouldn't work. And we always knew that mom and dad were there and that home was there. That uh, even though our culture is different and our tribes are different, that, that we had this house, the house of our father as a safe place. And I'm, I'm confronting what many of you have already confronted now, was what does it mean uh, when uh, your parents and your home is not the safe place? Uh, whether it's for reasons that were that as a childhood or, or because your parents have died, because you've sold the family home. What, where do we find our safety? Where do we find our hope? And where do we find our family? All throughout the Gospels, Jesus begins to reframe family for us and say, no longer is it just that biological unit, but these ones around you, they are your sisters and brothers. They're your mothers and fathers. This is the community that's going to care for you. It's why in our membership vows, we talk about us being a community of love and forgiveness that will help kids walk in the way that leads to life. We're going to vow with one another, and we're going to be a family who's doing that same work that God did in Christ's baptism of saying, I've got you. You're mine. Every week we declare these things in the Apostles' Creed to be true. And and in some ways they're just facts and figures. But in in other things, they are bold proclamations that even when our biological families uh, cease to be good, when our loved ones die, when our homes are sold, we have one whose authority is good. We have one who has a place for us. And we have one in whom we can find our identity. This is going to be the rootedness of all of our texts going forward over the next couple months. We are going to blink and it's going to be Transfiguration Sunday where what we have seen through the narrator's eyes that that this is the Son of God will be made public when he is transfigured and the disciples declare you are the Son of God. 
We're going to blink our eyes and it's going to be Ash Wednesday where we confront our mortality and death and we look to the events of the Passion Week and we look to to, uh, Christ's death as the thing that gives us the spirit that lets us become sons and daughters of the God Most High. We're going to be out looking into ordinary time where we go, what does it mean for us to be this community when the other community has failed us? Or where it's fallen apart or where uh, those who are even great have died. There's not a one of us who doesn't have some kind of thing with our family of origin. But my prayer is that this church will be be the very family of God for you, as it has been for me. That you, you will look around and go, despite everything else in my life, despite uh, whatever was bad or whatever is sad, the Spirit of God is at work amongst these people, and I know that they love me and trust me. My prayer for each one of you is that the Spirit fills you and invites you to go and to love, to, to announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to, to be very uh, uh, emissaries for our Father. The Father looked down on Christ and said, This is my Son. In Him I'm well pleased. In Him I delight. And friends, as Christ looks down at us worshiping in this room and across the internet, he looks down and says, these are sons and daughters of mine in whom I delight and whom I love. Amen? Would you pray with me? You are a good, good father. some of us that is an easier picture than for others but you have claimed us as yours you have offered us refuge and redemption you've offered us a life as part of something bigger than ourselves You claim us as your own uh, and we have to do nothing to earn it. Through the faithfulness of Christ and the work of the Spirit, uh, you, you have redeemed us. Lord, would you help us uh, rest in that to set aside our uh, need to be the ones who fix everything and get everything straight Would you let us abide in you? Would you help us trust that you are sufficient? When we feel unlovable, will you remind us that you love us deeply? And then Lord, will you help us go and declare that same truth to others that they they are beloved in you. That there's absolutely nothing they or we could do to make you love us any more or any less. That as Darren said last week, you remember us and you welcome us. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.